Welcome to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. The Crossing Church exists to see every person restored to God and to the life He created them to live. And we want to walk through this journey with you. If you need help or if you need prayer of any kind, you can text the keyword, I need help to 31996. Or if you give your life to the Lord, we would love to know. You can text the keyword, I said yes, to that same number, 31996. Someone from our care team will reach out to see how we can walk through life with you. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Enjoy the message. Praise God. We're going to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to continue in our series, Get Ready. Everybody say, Get Ready. Pastor Andy, what are we getting ready for? Actually, we don't know exactly. We don't know exactly, but the scripture says that uh, as we get uh, closer to end times, that things are going to wax worse and worse. There's some great things that are going to be happening, but we as a church, in today's message, I want to talk about community. Everybody say community. Honestly, it's not a word that I grew up saying. I mean, we, I lived in a community, but we didn't, it wasn't like a buzzword in church really until about the last 10 years or so, and a great word, but we, you start hearing it all over, community, community, community. Honestly, as an old guy, I was thinking, what's, what's with the new word? And I realized, or, or one of the thoughts is, you know, I think after 25 years of social media community, we're realizing how shallow that is. I mean, it is a way to connect, but there's no real depth there. You can control your image and not really have to be real or be connected to while being connected to thousands of people. And right now there's a thirst in, uh, I, I believe in our, and in, in just in people saying, man, I wanna, I wanna really connect, something's missing. And a part of it is in really godly Christian community. So today, yes, we've got life groups starting and that's one way you can, you can get involved. But I wanna, I wanna look at it from a biblical perspective and this is Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to be in 13. And guys, Ephesians chapter 2 is a masterpiece. It's just an amazing masterpiece. It's all that you've been seated in heavenly places and uh, you were far off, but now you've been brought close and it's just powerful. And what I want you to hear is the guy writing it, Paul, he is writing to Gentiles. He's a Jew and he spent, he was trained to hate Gentiles. He was raised to hate them, consider them unclean. Do not touch a Gentile. They are a filthy people. And, uh, and God did such a work in his heart. When you read Ephesians, he is pleading with, he's just saying, guys, you're so loved. I just love you so much. I can't stand it. And I want you to have what I have. And I want you to know I'm no better than you. I used to think I was better than you. I'm no better than you. We are both the same. And we get to come to Jesus and be one. And he spends a lot of his time just describing the tremendous, both in chapter one, the mystery. But I want you to hear that God's changed the man's heart and now he's reaching to the very people uh, that he used to despise. And this is verse, uh, this is chapter two. I'm gonna start with, with 13, Paul speaking to Gentiles. But now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you Gentiles were far away from God, but now you have been brought near. Everybody say, say brought near. I almost called the message brought near. God has brought us near to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 14. For Christ himself has brought peace to us 
he united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility. Everybody say hostility. We'll come back to that. Hostility separated us Jews and Gentiles. Uh, he did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. Stay with me. Verse 17. He, God brought, uh, brought, he brought the good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away, and the good news of peace to us Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit, because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens, everybody say citizens. Citizens along with God's holy people. You are members, everybody say members. You're members of God's family. Together we are all his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in becoming a holy Temple. Everybody say holy temple. Holy temple. I can't, uh, and I, I pray and ask your grace even as I say what I'm about to say. Uh, I, I relate to this transformation that, that, that happened in Paul, and you can find this in Acts chapter 9, where he once despised both Christians and Gentiles, and God did a work on his heart and broke that hostility and now he just can't get enough. In fact, his mission is toward the Gentiles. I'll tell you a story. I was uh, in about 18 or 19, and uh, now gang, hear me. This was in the 19, early 1980s. So I recognize I'm going to cross some cultural rules here. Give me a little grace while I talk. At that time in the church, there was a, there was a prejudice and a disdain toward, and an overly uh, expressed disdain for homosexuality and same-sex attraction in, in the culture of that day. Okay, hear me. Y'all still with me? <laughs> the people my age go, I totally remember all that. All right, so I, I grew up, and I thought I was doing God this great favor because I said, God, and I was having one of these moments, I'll go to Africa for you. I'll sleep under a mosquito net. I'll go, I'll go to the far ends of the world. I'll go anywhere and do anything. I know this has to be a great, it's got to take a lot off of your plate. Randy Harvey is here, and I'm here to serve you, Lord. I said these words, except I just cannot, I, I cannot deal with, with gay people. I said that. And I thought he would have gone, of course, back in that day, there was a thought that, uh, somebody that struggled with homosexuality, there was a thought that they've just, they're too far. And we never said it quite that clearly, but it was just thought. And I thought God would have gone, yeah, he's a pretty good guy. Not so. Be careful who you tell God that you disdain. He may just send you right there. It wasn't three weeks before I was 18, there was a 33-year-old gay man who wanted to date me. It got, it got awkward. God, 
I cannot even describe what God did in my heart. He made, he said, you, nobody knew, this was an 18-year-old. God said, you are going to minister to that man. And this man would call me, and I would read the Bible to him, and I would tell him about Jesus. And this went on for a while. And this was tough for me, but I I want you to know, the man said he had a relationship with, with Christ, but there was a point where it was like, you know what? we're, we're, this this is done. But what I learned there, and at this moment right now, I want you to know, maybe, I don't know your heart, there may not be a softer heart toward people that struggle in that area. There may not be a softer heart in the room than mine. This transformation of people that maybe you hate or disdain. I want you to know what Jesus does. Like he did it for Paul, and you hear this just just grasping, Gentiles, come on in, guys. You're one. I'm not better than you. Come on in. I want you to know that's the spirit of Christ in us, working on us, Now, it's just human to find some group or person to hate, and it's the Spirit of Christ to say, be careful with that. Now, why am I teaching about community in a Get Ready series? I want to ask you a question. Uh, 2020-2021, it was a test run for the church, if nothing else. It was a test run, okay? I want to ask you a question. How did you do? Did you break fellowship with any other Christian over the vaccine? Did you butt heads and say, oh, you should never take it. And if you take it, did you separate over vaccine? I I actually had some some head button, not because of, well, it's hard to explain without. Uh, did Did you separate over President Trump and your feelings toward him. Did any Christians here separate? We had families that struggle and separate over over politics. How'd you do? When when the church shut down and uh, we we quit going, I, 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 we took a little bit of heat there. And I understand when we are in the middle of something we've never experienced. You're, I, don't, I don't, honestly don't take any comment. Personally, when somebody you know sends an email that's this long, just says, "Can't believe you're doing that, you coward!" and you ought to blah blah. This is just, you know what? We, we were leading in the middle of things, but here's the deal, guys. We are Christians. Did did you separate? I, I want you to know, me and an, another brother, and I told you about it. We 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 almost went to fist in the gym because he and I just our, our sense of urgency over the current social matters. We just don't share the same sense of urgency. Things are important to him that just aren't important to me. And somehow we got face-to-face and all bowed up and the neck thing. And uh, But here's what I want you to know. Before the sun went down, I mean, while I was driving away, I felt sick because I thought, wait a minute. Our connection as Christians far outweighs and ought to be able to endure our disagreement 
about Trump or politics or Ukraine or masks or Republicans or Democrats or extremists or whatever the issue is, how did you do? Because what's coming next, we lost some people. We had some people divide. What's coming next will be more severe and more divisive. And if we couldn't handle, you took the vax and I didn't, my God, when real persecution actually comes, we have to grow up. And that's, uh, if I have to say anything for, for, for us as a church, gotta be strong. Every person listening, all churches, all places everywhere. It's, we've, we've been a cruise ship. The church for the last 40 years has been a cruise ship. Everybody's serving you. How would you like your coffee? Can I get that for you? God built the church to be a battleship. And we're in the transition of realizing, wait a minute, this is a war. Nobody told me that. Where's my coffee? No, it's a war. Put your coffee down, get your gun. We're, we're at war. It, 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 the cruise ship day, it's over. Why, why have we changed the services some? Because I need contact with the living God. I just need to figure out how can we have services and get contact. I want his big old hand. I want to feel it. We need him. And so I want to encourage you today. We're talking community, but don't think of it as, oh, just somebody to drink coffee with. No, there's a gluing together. And Paul actually looks at two of the most extreme people and how they got glued together. And I want to start with the back end of this verse and, and talk about just the progression progressive stages of community. Ephesians 2, the last few verses I read, it says, now you Gentiles, because all Jesus did, you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but you're citizens, you're members, and you're, you're a temple. The first stage of coming into community with Christ is actually you're a stranger and a foreigner. Strangers and foreigners. I hope there are strangers and foreigners in the church. And I'm talking about those of you who have not yet accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, but you're here. I mean, you're, you're, you're kicking the tires. You're looking around. You're thinking. You're just, I'm, I'm not sure about all this, and this is kind of a little crazy, and all the words. I, I don't get it, but something about it, I'm curious, and I'm looking, and I'm hunting, and I, I just I want to say this to you. My prayer is, just like what happened to Paul, Paul was lost as a goose, and as sure he was right as he could be. And the Scripture says in Acts chapter 9 that scales fell from his eyes, and he could understand, wait a minute, Jesus is the Son of God. I've been on the wrong side of the football. I need to, I, he accepted Christ, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and got on mission. And the, the prayer I would say to you, if you're here today and you have never received Jesus and you're still kind of like, yeah, my wife brought me in or whoever, however you got here, I just wanted you to pray this prayer and be honest. God, if you're really real, would you take the blinders off of my eyes and off my ears? If you just pray that prayer. That's all I ask, all right? You, you might be there today, and we're going to give you a chance to receive Jesus when we finish. The second group that we see here, and I see this as a progression. It just kind of jumped out at me as I meditated on this scripture. He says, you were strangers, but now you're citizens of God's kingdom. You're citizens. Now, here's the thing. If you're a citizen uh, of a kingdom, you, you, may, you may be in the city, and the, and the king lives in the city, but you may never meet, meet the king when you're a citizen, right? You're a citizen of uh, Montgomery County. Many of you are. Uh, and I don't even know who the mayor of Montgomery County is. And again, if you go to church here, I'm so sorry. I should know. But uh, you, my point is, you, you, we can all live in the same city, 
but I don't, I don't know the mayor. Right here it says, when you get saved, you become a citizen of the king's territory. But you may live in the same, you may be a citizen, but you may not really know, know the king. That would be people who have, yes, you've given your life to Christ. And for the last number of years, you kind of, I'll just bottom line it. The, the truth is, is, nobody really knows you, and you don't really know anybody. I don't mean you have friends and your mama doesn't love you and all that. I mean, you, you've, you've, you've said, look, I'm going to heaven, but I'm, I, I want to stay loose enough so I'm not committed. And the truth is, when nobody knows you, they don't know when you're hurting. They don't know when you're failing. They don't know when you're, you're doing things that are preparing to get yourself in trouble. They don't know you. And so we've got a, a I don't know how, we've got a great number, I believe, in, in, that are saved people in our country that are not connected really anywhere. Some watching me by, by line, this is not a guilt moment. There's some of you that cannot get to a local body. Uh, but some have gotten comfortable. You're probably an introvert like me, and you got, hey, you know, drinking coffee and not having to deal with people and still going to heaven. That's a pretty good deal. And, uh, and uh, look, I feel you. Uh, I, I've got to bend that way, but I can't live that way. Somebody needs to know you, and you need to be drinking coffee with somebody that knows your business, all right? So that's all I'm going to say. Uh, and what, what I'm asking today of everybody, if you're, a, if you're a, a, a foreigner, come into the kingdom and get saved. If you've been saved for a while and just kind of staying on the periphery and, and whatever, coming every once in a while, I'm going to ask you to step in. And I'm not asking you to do it. I'm saying for your safety and for your good and for what's coming, you need to be tighter in. The next group that we see here, he said, you were foreigners, you were citizens. Now you're members of, of God's family. Now we're getting somewhere. Here's the thing. As a citizen, you don't have to know the king. But if he's your daddy and you live in the same house, God knows you and you know God. Yes. Now we're talking about, again, you've been brought near. I want you just to see the big hand of God bringing people near. And he's bringing, and it's available. You can come near today. If you're in the house, here's the thing. Look, me and my brother grew up in the same house because we're family. Some of y'all have seen Big Larry. How many of you know Big Larry, my brother? Loud, bold. I know all the dirt. I know everything. And in family, um, if my, my dad and my sister were alive and we were all to get together, he and my mom, we know one another's weaknesses and we can talk about it, but it doesn't sound like you're being accused. We know each other. We know where we can put Larry and where we can't. He, and he would tell you, I'm a bull in a china shop. There's places I fit. There's places I don't fit. And it wouldn't be like, you're hurting my feelings. It'd be, we're family. We, we know how to protect one another. I got in more trouble with Larry growing up. We did things I would have never done on my own. It makes for great stories. We took, tore down mailboxes. We egged things. We did all kinds of things that we probably should have. You know, there was a thing called streaking back in the day. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I do not know what possessed humans back in that time, but I could tell you some stories. Certainly not me. 
Let's just leave that alone. You don't want to get that visual out of your mind. Anyway, we, we got in all kinds of trouble, and we could have outed each other. We're family, though. In, in family, everybody knows your business, and have you, have you realized in your family, they're, they're comfortable to call your sister and tell you all about it. Gang, there's, a good, there's something healthy about that. And right now, and, and I want you to know, you, you don't get that on social media. Social media is not where you get community. That's, it's fake. It's shallow. It, I mean, it's a great way to communicate. There's a lot of positives about it. But as far as, it's not a place for real community. Community happens when we all come in here and when somebody, you start to build relationship with somebody that, that knows you. Let me, let me show you a passage of scripture. This is Hebrews 3.12 says, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. Verse 13 says, you must warn each other every day. You must warn each other every day while it's still today, while there's still time, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. I mean, that's the Bible. And by the way, this is the same Hebrews that says, gang, as you see the, the last days coming, as you see the day approaching, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. It's gonna be even more important so that you can cover each other. What did that verse just say? That verse just said, as brothers and sisters, we're to tell each other every day. Don't take that seriously, Stacy. But... <laughs> Tell each other every day, you know, about the deceitfulness of sin. Now, wh wh why is that verse there? Why am I saying this? It's because we, we need to protect one another. We need to cover one another. Now, over the last, I don't know how many years, there's been a lot of very prominent pastors fall into adultery. It's splashed up on uh, all the social media they're blasted, they're hurting. By, by the way, I don't say this with any, there's not an ounce of anything but, uh, but sympathy and compassion for those men. I, I hate that every time somebody fails, all the social media armchair quarterbacks weigh in boldly behind their screens and beat them to death. But I can't stop that. Such is life now. My heart's very compassionate. But it, 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 does, it does cause me to say, how do, how do I protect myself from that situation? And I want to raise a situation. This last week, there was a pastor in Dallas that got before his church and said, hey, per the elders uh, and, and their directive and our agreement, I'm going to take a leave of absence. And he went on to explain what happened. A woman in his church, he didn't commit adultery. Uh, he, 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 there was no contact, and uh, as far as we understand, no, no romantic exchanges, okay? Uh, it's, it's funny. It's not funny, but it's unfortunate. We, we start looking for help when both engines are on fire and there's, and there's no parachute in the plane. All of a sudden, we wait too long. Uh, a woman had confronted him after a service, and said, hey, you've been DMing, you've been sending direct messages to my friend, another female, and they don't seem appropriate for a pastor to be talking to a woman. I mean, it's too familiar, there's something there. So I'll stop right there. That's great community right there. 
That's how it ought to work. That's not a chance to go, oh, did you hear? Oh, and I think he did this, and I think he did that. Stop all that. No, that's for, that's for children, grown-ups, the, the, follow the Bible. The Bible says, if you have an issue with somebody, get on social media and make a fool of yourself, plastering it all, all over there. Is that what it says? Matthew 18 says, if you have an issue, be a grown-up, go to that person. That's what grown-ups do. And she did. Drop the microphone. It's like, oh, thank God. That's good community. That's how it ought to work. He takes that information, goes and gets his wife and an elder, and they start a process of, look at my phone. What do you think? The elder said, hey, this doesn't look appropriate. This violates our social media policies, and this doesn't look healthy, and it's beneath the standards that you're called to. And he said, I I, I agree. I readily submit to that. And so he's taking a leave of absence, not to put him down and to have everybody bid him. He will be back. He will be fully restored as he should be. I mean, if we can't fall and get back up, then throw your Bible away. Y'all go home and just go get drunk. I mean, there's nothing else to it. I mean, you know, don't, don't read about David. Don't read about Saul. Don't read about Abraham. Don't read about Peter. I mean, your Bible gets extremely thin if men and women can't get back up. Powerful, powerful, Yeah. And what I'm saying to you is, while this was, and and many of you would probably read that story and go, what's the big deal? It was a text. Okay, just clean it up and keep going. Here's the beautiful thing. This, This scripture we just read says, tell each other daily, sin is deceitful, and you can fool yourself. You can be in denial. And we need one another to say, hey, that might seem little now. Why don't we just shut it down right now before we get up the creek? Let's just shut it down right now. Man, that is good, healthy Christian community, the way it ought to be. And it's, and it's not anything to go, oh, did you hear? And, and I, I read a couple of articles, and it's just how social media is. Folks trying to tie it to some big outlandish and all the South, Southern Baptist pastors are this and all that. Listen, keep your eyes and your ears clean of all of that. And when you see something being done right, applaud. I believe that so many of the pastors that did fall actually went through with adultery and lost their positions. If somebody would have known them, and gang, there is a thread right now of a very fake and a very uh, performed sort of community, just a very surface and shallow thing. And, uh, and again, I'm not beating anybody up. I'm checking my own heart and life. But we need a depth We need a depth that's spoken of here in the Scripture of us coming in and being members of the same house. And if you're sitting on a periphery right now, the Scripture says there's going to be a great falling away because it's going to start costing people their lives. And if we can't survive masks and vaccines, you're not going to make it. We need to pull ourselves in in our commitment. Uh, The military would call it Unit cohesion. Some military guy at the other service came up and said it's called unit cohesion. That's where the, the, the people in the, in the unit say we're committed to each other and to this mission. And the outside stresses, we're not going to let those divide us. If we divide, we die. So we've got to have unit cohesion. We're getting ready for a new season, and we're going to do great, and I'm going to do my best to keep us prepared. You, you, you've got, I'm, I'm, I'm calling you, though, 
take a step in. Wherever you're at, take your next step. How do you take your next step here? Honestly, the group table's out there. I mean, here's one way you do it. The group table's out there. Any equipped classes that you see out there, if you're thinking, man, I don't know about this. I'm kind of scared. I'm an introvert like you, Pastor Randy. We have a group that's of introverts that meet. We actually don't meet. We call meetings and nobody goes. And it works out beautifully. No, but gang, seriously, you, whether you, you I, I would love you to get in a group, and I, I really think you should. I, I really want to encourage you. Get known. And this is going to take some time. You don't spill the beans the first meeting. I mean, don't get in there and tell everybody your business. Uh, but you, you want to build relationships and or find two or three guys. Fellas, some of you are like, I am never going to go to a group. Find two or three guys you can drink coffee with, and twice a month go have coffee and build friendships so that you can talk real. Enough said. That, that's your next step, though. Finally, he says this, you're a holy temple, and this is even moving in further, closer in. Basically, this is where you're cemented together. Peter would say you're living stones being cemented together. This is where you say, man, not only do I want to be known and protected, but I, I want to spend my gift here. I want, to spend, I, want to be, I want to be a part of the solution. I want to be on the team. I want to make something happen. The ministry gifts and callings that are on your life, uh, I suppose there can be Lone Rangers somewhere, but most of the time, Lone Ranger ministry is not what you want. You need to be connected somewhere. And so I, that's all I would say. Let me, let me just make this announcement. We have uh, actually set up a department, and Christine Berry is going to head that department, and her whole role, She's moving from communications. Her whole role is to help foreigners take their next steps into being citizens. What's that look like, and how do we help you as a new believer to help citizens make their way as disciples and followers of Christ and building their life on the, on the, the, the doctrine of the apostles? How do they make their way into the family and get to know God? She's going to help us develop those kind of classes and those kind of things. And then for those that are saying, man, I'm ready to spend my ministry gift. Where do I go? We're going to help you become just family into the holy temple that houses the very presence and power of God. She's actually going to be overseeing that. Just be looking for news to come. She's, she's on, on the job. So know that. Let me hit one more thing before we call it. Y'all still good? All right. One more thing before, before we call it. And then I want to deal with this hostility thing here. Up in the front of that thing that we talked about, Paul talks a little bit about hostility. Uh, Ephesians 2, he says, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. We used to hate each other. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. Uh, when on, uh, on, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of the law with its commandments and regulation. He made peace between Jew and Gentile. Okay, here's my question. This says, uh, what, what was the law? The law, everybody know the law is good. Law's not bad. God gave the law to Moses, and it was a good thing. It was a set of laws and instructions, things to do. And actually, in Deuteronomy, what God said is, hey, you Jews, I want you to take this law because I want you to be a light to the Gentiles. I don't want you to get the big head and think you're better than them. I want, you to, I want them to see you relating to me and for it to make them jealous to go, man, how do y'all do that? I want you to be a light to the Gentiles. But that's not what happened when the law was given to the Jews. What happened when the law was given to the Jews? Here's what they started to think. God gave it to us. That makes us better than them. We are better than them. This is, by the way, this is how 
almost all of us get identity. If you don't interject a, a more righteous way of finding your identity, you will gain identity. It's just human nature by, uh, comparatively. In other words, I'm better than you at this. I feel better about myself. I'll give you for instance. When I was 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, I found my identity in being a bass player, just a musician, and I thought I was, I was good. And, and this is what kids do. It's what we do. We try to find identity. We want to be good at something and be praised for something and be known for something, and that's identity. And so in Huntsville, I was pretty good. I felt pretty good about myself. I could strut a little bit. And uh, I come to Houston. There's a few more bass players, but I still got the call. But when I started traveling, went to Nashville, every waiter was a better bass player. <laughs> and that is psychologically brutal. I would go into music stores, and some guy would turn a, flip a bass upside down, a right-handed bass, he'd flip it upside down, play it left-handed, and do things I couldn't even dream of. And go and get in my car and go, I'm terrible, I'm a nobody. Well, here's the deal. If you try to find your identity, it's human nature, in being better, ultimately, it's psychologically brutal. Well, that's what the Jews did. Here's what they said. We've got this set of rules, and we relate to them. We're not perfect, but we do better at the rules than y'all do, so we are better than y'all. So they looked down at the Gentiles. The Gentiles despised being looked down upon, and actually the law, something that was good, became the dividing wall between the two. You see that. So, uh, and I've got other examples. I just don't have the time. We, we have things in church today. Let me just say it this way. There are things that, that God has given us as gifts, and sometimes we take the gifts of God, and instead of being humble and using them for what they're for, you can actually think you're better than the Christian beside you because you have one gift or another. I'll leave it at that and say, be careful. Every day I'm supposed to tell you, be careful. Here's what Jesus did. He said, so you think you're better than them uh, because you, you keep the law better. I'm going to come down and do away with the system, and we're going to have a whole new system. No longer is it who, who, who gets closer to the rules, Jews or Gentiles. I'm doing away with all of it. It's not how you compare to the law. It's how you compare to me. How you, Jew or Gentile, how you compare to me. All of a sudden, nobody's better than anybody because none of us are much better. When you're dealing with Jesus, here's what the Scripture says, all have sinned, and when it comes to him, Jew, Gentile, gay, straight, Republican, Democrat, whatever group you like to choose, you're in the same boat with them. When it comes to the cross, all have sinned and all have come short. Gang, I want you to get this in your mindset. It's easy to hate right now. It's easy to hate. There's a lot of hate in the air. You need to keep remembering this. How does that person and how do I compare to Jesus? And what that does is it puts us all in the same boat. I am completely dependent on the grace and the mercy of God or I am toast. And so is the person beside me. Yep, I might be a little holier on Monday than he was on Monday, but the truth is I still come far short. I want to talk to anybody. I want to kind of, I want to conclude today by inviting all of you that maybe have never 
received Christ Jesus, I want you to hear me. No matter how holy anybody looks or how many scriptures they know, none of us are better than anybody else. In comparison to Christ, all of us come short and all of us have to receive his grace or reject it. But we're all in the same boat. That's what makes us Christians. We count on the grace of God. Stacy and I have had uh, opportunity at times to help people financially. We were in a situation recently, and I have this dream. So, so this person was d- disclosing you know, some difficulties and challenges, and lots of folks deal with all kinds of debts and, and have things come up, credit cards and all kinds of things. And before you know it, you can get yourself really tangled up. Well, uh, the answer is one, Dave Ramsey. Go check that out. That'll help you. But also, you, you, you need to stop making panic decisions, hoping that a decision will fix it all. Sometimes there's so many knots in the string, you got to just start one at a time. Make one really good decision and then another really good decision, but take small bites. Well, we've also, and this is not a braggy thing, many of y'all do this, many of y'all do this. To help the situation, we say, hey, let, let's give. So we give something to kind of prime that pump to say, hey, let's, let's take some pressure off. But I always drive away from there, and I just dream in my mind, Lord, if I had all the money in the world, I would love to say, you know what? Stop making decisions. Don't make another financial decision. Stop. Put the credit card down. Put it down. Go get your mortgage. Bring it to me. Go get your car built. Pay it to me. Get, bring it to me. I would have said student loan, but that's been taken care of apparently. Bring. <laughs> Praise God. Go, go all those credit card debts, bring it to me. See, even in that, we can start a fight in here. Bring it to me. And here's what I would want to do. You, you, you've made a big mess here, but I'm going to pay it all off. I'm going to eliminate all your debt. One-stop shop, all your debt. Oh, that feels so good. I'd love to do that. I'm not sure it'd be the wisest thing. But here's what I'd want to say. Before I do this, I want you to really feel the pressure of the mess you're in and don't ever forget that feeling. Don't ever forget what this felt like and how miserable it was because you're gonna need to keep that in mind because once we clear these debts, here's the deal. Don't you ever get yourself in debt again. And before you make any financial decision, I want you to consult with me. That's the deal. And I'll wipe it off. Gang, do you know what I would be doing is repositioning them in a strong position financially if I did that? I mean, I'd just be reseeding them. You were in debt, boom, fresh start. When Jesus came to the cross, as Paul was describing, all of us here were in debt over our head. No matter how, how much better, how it didn't matter. You were in more debt than you could pay. And Jesus came to us and said, Bring it to me. Stop making decisions. Stop trying to be, stop. Come right here to me. Bring me every debt you have. I'm going to cover it. I'm going to wipe it out. And in Ephesians 2, if you back up, he says, I'm going to seat you in a heavenly place. I'm putting you in a new position, and you're going to start fresh, a fresh life. And here's the deal. Don't. Go and sin no more. Before you make 
major decision. You come see me. Let me counsel you. Let me walk with you. I'm going to wipe it out. Now, Pastor, you said go and sin no more. You're not going to live a sinless life. But here's the deal. Try. The, the point of Christianity isn't necessarily hitting the mark, it's, but, it, but it is aiming at it. It is saying, that is the mark I'm aiming for. When you mess, get back up and keep going. But let's start with, the mark is, I'm trying to be like Christ. We get a little better. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Savior, man, you're tangled up in debt. And here's the thing, you can't fix it. All of us are in the same boat. Jesus has come into this room. The Holy Spirit is in this room saying, today's your day. I've come to clear your debt of sin and reposition you as a member of the household and save you. It not only affects eternity, it does, but it it affects your life right now and the life that's available for you to live, to come into community, to change your life. If you would like that, I'm going to pray right now and I'm going to ask you to sincerely repeat after me and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. This is your moment. Would everyone bow your heads? Like all the church to pray with me, Holy Spirit, would you come and thank you that you are already at work in hearts and lives. I ask you to lay again. Just touch us. Draw anybody that's here today. Draw them into salvation. Jesus' name. Everybody praying with me. Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner and I have sinned against you and I'm fully responsible. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He lived for me, and he bled for me, and he died for me to pay for all my sin, to wipe out my debt. I believe you raised him from the dead, and I receive Jesus Christ. I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior, as my Redeemer, as my forgiveness, as my Lord. Take my life. Do anything you want with it. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Thanks so much for listening to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. Keep up with everything going on at The Crossing by liking us on Facebook, following us on Instagram, or subscribing to our YouTube channel. Or you can visit us online at www.thecrossing.cc.